Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. We are preaching a message continuing in our Rooted series, and we have about 175 people going through a Rooted curriculum right now in small groups all throughout our region, and I love that. Anybody in a Rooted group this morning? So amazing. I love that. And so we're following along with this curriculum, and today we're going to be talking about a spiritual enemy. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare, and I have this question for you today. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in goblins? Do you believe in Bigfoot? I mean, there are things that kind of make us wonder about the heavenly realms in this world. Are there spiritual forces? Are there things in the atmosphere? And I'm not just talking about the northern lights that we did not see last night. Are there forces that we are not aware of? And uh, I have felt in my times that There are moments where I'm fighting an enemy I can't see. Have you ever felt that way? You're going through a battle. You're going through situations. And it's like, what is happening? I don't understand what's going on. And in the Bible, there's a a passage where Paul the Apostle, who wrote much of the New Testament and the scriptures, he's talking to a city that's a port city. It's an intellectual and wealthy city, a lot like the Bellevue area. He's talking to the church of Ephesus, and he writes a letter about 2,000 years ago to this church, and he writes in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so to these intellectuals, he says that you're not just wrestling against physicalities. You're not just wrestling against flesh and blood. You might think you're in a political fight. You might think you're in a family fight. You might think you're wrestling with things that you can see, but in fact, you are wrestling against cosmic forces in this present darkness. You are wrestling against spiritual forces Even on this physical earth, you're fighting an enemy that you can't see with your eyes. And right now, some of you are already checked out. You're like, see, this is why I'm not part of the church. This is all hocus pocus. This is just a mythological book. This is just letters of fiction that I can't believe I have to suspend my logical brain to believe in this kind of stuff. Cosmic forces, spiritual Things, is this just a trick of mass religion to control people? And I remember I I have thought that way in the past. In fact, as a a younger person than I am right now, when I was 2011, 2007, Pradeepan, I used to love to pretend and trick people to believe in spiritual forces that were just pranks by me. In fact, I remember... One time, when I first met Pastor Amritha, we weren't dating, we weren't engaged, we weren't married, we were just becoming friends, and a group of friends from our church, we decided to take a road trip from Colorado to Kansas. And on this road trip, I thought, I know how we can bond. I'm going to take Amritha 
and prank her in the deep forest. And this was not a good idea, as you can probably tell already. I wanted to take her on something called snipe hunting. And I, I said, hey, there's this forest. If we pull off on the side of the road, it's like midnight. It's dark. It's creepy. I have a group of people with me in on the prank. We take her into the deep forest. And our plan is we're going to go look for this mythical creature called the snipe. And then we're all going to leave her and abandon her in the woods at the same time. I feel like I don't have you on my side. <laughs> so we leave her and begin to distance ourselves from her. And then she has a good friend with her. And she rats us out. She says, Amrita, this Pradeepan guy is a jerk. He's pranking you. He's lying to you. He's deceiving you. There's no such thing as snipes. And so this whole prank is ruined. She comes to the car and she's like, what are you doing? Are you abandoning me in the woods? I'm like, who told you? I want to take you snipe hunting. So later on, after she's ratted out, I get a letter from her dad. A man I had never met before in my whole life. And he writes me a long, like, two to three page letter. How dare you treat my daughter this way? I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. I thought you wanted to be a pastor. This is my daughter. I love her. I want to take care of her. I want to protect her. And as a loving father, I will do whatever it takes to protect my baby girl from you. And I remember getting Amrita and I go, hey, I'm so sorry. She's like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm like, your dad wrote me a letter. It's a big deal. <laughs> I didn't know this at the time, but Amrita had a crush on me. I can't blame her. But she had a crush on me, and she called her dad the next day, and she's like, Dad, why did you write the guy I like a letter? Stop it, Dad. And two years later, it was very awkward to ask him if I could marry his daughter. But glory to God, he said I could. And now we're married, and we have two children that are dressed as a PJ Masks superhero and a princess little girl. Glory to God. Can we give it up to redemption and forgiveness? But for some of us, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to these heavenly forces. We think that there's just some sort of predeeping that's tricking us. It's just a way to control people. It's not real. It's just a, a, a part of our imagination. But here's the reality, though. Many of us, we're doing the right things in life. We're getting the right courses. We're taking the right jobs. We're making the right decisions. But it feels like every time we're making progress, we're still encountering this invisible force that holds us back. Has anybody ever felt that way? You're like, what is going on? And it's because of what this scripture says. We are not just wrestling against things we can see with our physical eyes. There is a spiritual realm. There are cosmic forces. There is an enemy that's planning and plotting to attack us. You're, you finally get that dream job. But then you have these voices and whispers in your head that whisper to you, you're a loser. You should give up on life. There's no hope for you. You finally have this relationship, and things are going really well, and then that person just transforms overnight, 
And it's like they become a totally different person. It's like, what happened to your heart? Why are you believing these lies about me? Suddenly this person that you love and they loved you, they're starting to treat you like the enemy. And it's like they've been brainwashed. Have you ever experienced that? It's like, this is not logical. This is not right. Even when I, I look at the news, you know, you can't help but wonder, what is going on? Why is there this thread of evil throughout humanity? Why is there a thread of evil throughout history? Because we've been taught, especially as Americans in a very wealthy city, we've been taught that you can exterminate evil if you give people enough money, if you give people enough education, and if you give people enough technology, right? That's how we solve the problems of the world. That's how we create an environment of human flourishing. We're like, if the whole world was just made up of Elon Musk, there would be no evil in the world. But when we think about that logically, we're not like, there's evil in the world. What do we need? We just need more rich people. And then there will be no more murder. There will be no more deception. There will be no more affairs. There will be no more families breaking apart. What do we need? If we just have more social media, then all the evil in the world will disappear, right? Or if we just have more education, we just need more people with doctors, and then all evil in the world will go away. Well, we've tried that. We live in an age of information. We have access to technology. We have a higher quality of life. We have so much, and yet evil persists. I wrote it like this. Education, here's a quote, education, technology, and wealth will not solve our problem with evil. Even if the world was completely made out of Elon Musk, who has great access to technology, education, and finances, there would still be evil. According to Jesus, we are in a battle with evil spiritual forces, and these problems must be solved through spiritual means. And so we've seen that even with money, people can be influenced by both good and evil. Even with technology, people can be influenced by both good and evil. Amen? Even with education, people can be both influenced by good and evil. And so we need something that's beyond our own power, something that's God. And so Jesus, he talks about this, and he gives us a theology on these spiritual enemies that we're facing. And he introduces a character called the devil. And you may have heard of these names like Satan or Hasatan, devil coming from the Greek word diabolos, is which where we get diabolical. Satan literally means the accuser. He's also known as the deceiver. And in John chapter 8, Jesus, he says, for you, he's talking to the religious leaders of the day. He writes, for you are the children of your father, the devil. This is not chill, Jesus. You are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Maybe this is why there's so much evil in the world, because at times we are children of the devil, and we love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Point number one is, according to John chapter 8, Jesus believes in the devil and so should you. Don't fall today for the lie that the father of lies does not exist. I believe in this generation, 
The greatest lie of the deceiver, the greatest deception of the deceiver is that the deceiver doesn't exist. The fact is you have an enemy. The fact is you are fighting against spiritual forces. The fact is Satan has a plan for you. And Jesus believes, according to his theology, according to the scriptures, Jesus believes in a very real spiritual enemy. And I think it's important for us to understand this. And maybe we understand as we're failing to face progress in our life, as it seems like we're facing attack after attack after attack, maybe this can help us have an understanding. Because the scripture says that the devil's goal is to murder you. The devil's goal is to destroy you. Anybody here feel like there's an attack on your life? There's an attack against the people that you love. It feels like there's a target on your back. And that's because this enemy wants to murder and destroy you. And the means by which he murders, according to Jesus, is by lying. The devil is called the father of lies. Sometimes we'll say things like, I'm under spiritual attack because my tire had a flat. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm under attack because I only got one like on my Instagram photo. No, that's not the spiritual attack I'm trying to talk about. I'm under attack because they were out of honey blend at Starbucks. That's my spiritual enemy. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the father of lies who wants to destroy you by deceiving you. Have you ever felt like you were talking to someone and they're like a loving, normal, kind human? And then you start to talk to them about politics and it's like they become a different person. It's like a glaze hits their eyes, their body, posture change. And it's like, I'm talking to you, you're kind, and now it's like, you are a totally different person. It feels like you're walking in deception. And I'm not talking about left or right, so don't try to figure out my politics. But it's like, what happened to you? You see these people writing on Facebook, and they're just so mean and angry. And they're not exemplifying the fruits of the Spirit of God but the fruit of the devil. And that's why Jesus, he says, you are children of the devil. And mind you, he's talking to the pastors of this day. He's talking to people who are so mean-spirited and not God-spirited. He says that you are the children of the devil. And I feel like when I talk to people, I don't feel like they're like God, especially when it comes to how politicized this nation has become how things are on the left or the right, masks, no max, vaccine, no vaccine. It's like, what happened to the fruit of the Spirit? You're not acting like God. You're acting like someone who's been deceived. And the scary thing about being deceived is you don't know you are deceived right. when you're deceived. Right, right. Anybody here deceived right now? <laughs> you wouldn't know it even if you were. But when we are strongly sure and confident that we aren't deceived, I think that's when we're the most vulnerable. And so we say, God, would you illuminate our eyes? Would you help us to understand? To defeat you, I want to phrase it like this, point number two, to defeat you, the devil wants to deceive you. And the devil even tries to do this with Jesus. In Matthew 3, this is Jesus, and he gets baptized. And it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I loved. With him I am well 
please. So Jesus, fully God, fully man, he's on this earth and he gets baptized in this voice from heaven. The heavenly father speaks over his son. He says, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. And then in the very next verses, Jesus goes into the desert, he fasts, and the devil begins to lie to him. It says in Matthew chapter 4, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and spoiler alert, he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become your loaves of bread. Notice this, God, the heavenly father, speaks over his son, you are my son, I am well pleased with you, and then the devil immediately swoops in there and tries to deceive Jesus by saying, if you are the son of God. The father says, you are my son, the devil says, if you are my son, if you are the son of God. Have you ever noticed that there are these little seeds of deception that just plant themselves in your mind? You're like, I I love God. I'm part of the church. I know God loves me. I know God has a plan for me. But what if I'm just a mistake? What if I'm just an accident? What if it would be better if I didn't live? Yeah, God loves me, but ah, maybe nobody loves me. Maybe there is no grand plan for my life. Maybe I am just a cosmic accident. Maybe nobody cares about me. Maybe I am just worthless. So this voice says, you are my son. But then the devil says, if you are the son of God, and he likes to twist that truth. And there are lies in our brain and lies in our mind, things that we believe. And I want to let you know, it's not by accident you're facing those lies. You have a spiritual enemy that wants to destroy you, and the best means, the most practical tool he has to destroy you is by getting you to believe a lie. I remember when my father, and many of you know this story, but I I just am reminded of it every time I come to moments like this. My family was in Sri Lanka, living through a civil war, escaping all sorts of death and violence. They finally make it to America, They're refugees. They get their second start, a second chance at life. This is in the 80s. My whole family moves from this tropical island paradise to Minnesota in the winter. And they're finally getting a second chance of life after facing violent act after violent act. But right in that moment of opportunity, what happens? My family starts to deal with the trauma of transition. And they believe that we don't deserve to live anymore. We don't have any friends in this new nation. We don't have any opportunities in this new land. It would be better if we just died. And so my family decided that they would jump off a bridge together because there was no hope for them anymore. I mean, keep in mind, they had just received political asylum. They had just received refugee status. They had seen so much violence, so much death, and finally... They're in a safe country. They're in America. They have this second chance at life, a new opportunity, and then the devil plants a seed in their mind. You are better off dead. What is happening here? The enemy wanted to destroy my family, and so they planted a lie in their mind. There's a a scripture in Proverbs 23, 7 that says, 
For as he thinks, or for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I've learned over the years that sometimes our perception of truth impacts us more than truth itself. Sometimes when you believe a lie long enough, you start to succumb to the power of that very lie. For example, I believe that there's a lie here in Bellevue that it's got us all in mass hysteria. For some reason, all of us believe it, and it's this. That Chick-fil-A tastes good. I am not your spiritual enemy. (laughs) And all the time, I see this line right by the highway, right by 405 and 8th Street, and there is a line that blocks the streetlights. It blocks the highways. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, are you kidding me? Is this chicken sandwich so good that you have to block all the traffic? And it fills me with rage. Who's with me? This chicken sandwich is not worth ruining my commute for. But it happens every single day. Who have I offended in here? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love Burger King. You can attack me later. (laughs) Nobody loves Burger King except me. I feel very alone. Anybody love Burger King here? Oh, thank you. Three people, glory to God. But I feel like there's this mass hysteria that you have been told that Chick-fil-A is good. You've been told that Chick-fil-A is godly. And so you believe that it tastes good. And I just want to let you know, if you believe the lie long enough, it's going to impact you. It's something called a placebo. Here's another one. Some of us, we have started to believe the lie that Halloween candy corn tastes good. That's just a lie from the devil. Can I get a good amen? I don't know what. It's just like eating wax. Ungodly wax. But here's the power of a placebo. Have you ever heard of that term placebo? You know, in in, in the 1950s, there was a, a military branch, and they were treating some of their wounded soldiers, and they ran out of morphine, which is this drug that helps alleviate pain. And they begin to give soldiers this salt solution and say, hey, this is morphine. And they found out that 40% of the soldiers still felt relief from the pain. Because they believed it was morphine, they didn't experience the pain anymore. That's a placebo. But on the other end, there is another word that's the opposite of a placebo. It's called a nocebo, which in Latin means to harm. And it's when you believe that medicine is bad for you, it actually will become bad for you. In fact, there's this urban legend from the 1950s about a guy who was, uh, he was trapped in a shipping container and he ended up in a refrigerator and he thought he was going to freeze to death. And this urban legend says that he was in the ship for a couple of days and when they found him, his body looked like it had been frozen to death. He had frostbite, he experienced all the symptoms of hypothermia and things like that, but when they checked the temperature of the fridge, it never went below 66 degrees. And it wasn't freezing him to death, but because he believed it in his mind, he froze to death. That would be something called a nocebo. And so there are lies that we believe that are the opposite of truth, but when we believe them strong enough, they impact us like they were the truth. Have you ever been in a relationship where someone believes a lie about you, and you're like, that's a lie, and then they start to treat you like that lie was true? And then it impacts your relationship. Well, that's something like a nocebo. If you believe it strong enough, 
It starts to impact you. Or maybe you believe a lie about yourself today. I am just an unlovable person. I am not worthy of love. And so then you start to stiff arm the people around you that are trying to love you. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I believe I'm unlovable, so I'm going to treat people like I'm unlovable. And pretty soon nobody wants to love me. You see how the enemy can plant a lie in you, and then it starts to impact you as if it's reality. And that's why Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so I have this question for you today. Is there a lie about yourself that you're believing? I mean, there, there are pains we've experienced in life, and those pains are real. Those experiences are real, but our interpretation of what happened might not be real. I remember when my, my parents ended up getting a divorce. I, I was asked by my family, stop the divorce, and I couldn't. As a young 12-year-old, I couldn't stop my family from getting a divorce. And so as a 12-year-old going through that pain, I started to believe my family's divorce was my fault. Yeah. And then I started to believe because my family went through on the divorce, I am a failure. I am a loser. I will never have a good family. I am not worthy of holding this family together. And it began to shape a paradigm in my mind that I have to win people's approval by performing, by getting people's attention, by making good jokes, by getting good grades, by accomplishing great things. And then if I can perform well enough, I will be loved. It started to shape a paradigm in me that I'm not worthy of love just because I'm a, a human, but I have to earn my love through good works and acts of accomplishment. You see, the divorce was a real thing I experienced, but my commentary, my interpretation of it was not true. I'm worthy of love just because I'm a child of God. Is there a lie you're believing about yourself today? If so, I, I want to encourage you to do what Jesus did. So when the devil is saying, if you, and the devil might be saying, if you, today, in verse 4 it says, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so when the devil lies to Jesus, how does Jesus respond? He responds with the truth of God's word. He replaces lies with truth. Point three I want to say is this for you. I want to encourage you to replace stinking thinking and lies with the truth of God's word. When the devil says, if you remember, God says, you are. And so my family, they had started to believe this lie that they were not worthy of being alive right after they are refugees and getting their second chance at life. But a pastor saw them, took the time to talk to my dad. My dad shared this plan of jumping off the bridge. He said, no, I want you to live with me and my family in our small trailer home. And so they moved in. And in this environment, these amazing Christians started to say, hey, you don't have to end your life. In fact, I just want to say, this is what God says about you. Yeah. That God has a plan for your life. He has a plan not to harm you, but to prosper you. And began to unfold the realities of Christianity. Like Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And there's an enemy that's trying to destroy your second chance. But Jesus, he came so that you might have life and life abundantly, more abundantly, better than you could ever ask or imagine. 
And they began to shift in their perception from believing this lie to believing this truth. They began to realize that Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life and was treated as a criminal, was put on a cross and was executed so that he could absorb the sin, the shortcomings, the pain, the sickness of humanity so that we could all experience life and life abundantly. And as my family heard the message of the gospel, heard the message of Jesus, heard the message of Christianity, it began to change their belief. It began to change their heart. And they went from wanting to end their life to having an optimism about life. And they decided that they would believe that God has a plan for them. And they conceived a new life in that environment. And that's when my family got pregnant with me. They stopped believing the lie that death was their future and that life was possible. And in that environment, it gave me an opportunity to exist as a human in this life. And that is the power of the gospel. That is the power of Jesus. I don't know what lie you're believing today. I don't know how you're being destroyed from the inside out. But I want to pray that you would experience what my family experienced. When the enemy is trying to destroy you, that you would hear what God says about you. That he has a beautiful plan for your life. I love that the scriptures have all sorts of promises and hopes for us today. That maybe you can cling on to some of these. When you're feeling, maybe even today, that I'm rejected, you can remember that Jesus, he calls you chosen. Colossians 3 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, weakness, and patience. When you're believing that nobody loves me, remember that he calls you beloved. The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. When you're thinking, I am an accident, remember that God, he calls you his child. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. When you're feeling like I have no friends, remember he, God, our Father, calls you a friend, but I have called you friends. When you're thinking, I am a waste, remember he calls you a treasured possession. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all peoples who are on the face of the earth. When you're feeling like I had no family, remember he calls you a daughter. He calls you a son and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. These are all promises that the scripture speaks over us and today as you're facing spiritual attacks, as you're facing lies in your mind, would you replace your sinking thinking with the truth of God's word? Because he has an amazing, glorious plan for you. And you can experience what my family experienced, going from death to life. And I would love to pray for you to experience that today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I just want to, I want to pray over everybody here today for all of us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. For those of us who are just experienced lie after lie after lie. For those of us who are just facing a battle in our mind that we're losers, that we're not worthy of love, that there's no future for us, that there's no hope for us, that there's no plan for us, there's nothing lovable in us. Lord, I am so thankful for the truth of your word. And I pray that you would just bring life and light into this room. I pray that you would bring words of encouragement and affirmation and love into this room. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing over every one of us that's going through a spiritual attack. Lord, I just pray that the devil would not destroy us today. 
that his means of lying so that we would face destruction, I pray that it would not bear any fruit, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.